What's going on, sports fans? Welcome to another edition of Raw Words, presented by LJ from Houston, coming to you live from H-Town, Texas. And of course, we about to get into this week seven recap of this NFL season. And of course, always, when we're doing the recap, I got my homeboy from Ventura, California, Roshi. What's going on, Ro? Hey, 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 what's going on, LJ? Man, you know what time it is. We're about to get into this recap. So yes, sir. we're going to start it off with, unfortunately, your home team. Denver Broncos took on the Arizona Cardinals Thursday last Thursday night. And, of course, that final score was, unfortunately, 45 to 10. Mm. Uh, 223 total yards, but... I'm going to let you talk about them. I'll just throw the fact that the defense of Denver stepped up. You know, they had a total of six sacks. Von Miller stood out, two sacks, two forced fumbles. Bradley Chubb also had two sacks and a forced fumble. So I'm going to let you explain uh, the debacle that's going on with your Arizona Cardinals. I mean, it just continues to get worse and worse out in Arizona for us, LJ. Um, I really won't throw out too much excuses except that my guys have not taken to – Steve Wilkes' system very well, and uh, Mike McCoy was just the first chopping block, in my opinion, to go. Um, there's going to be other things that happen from just basically the change from Bruce Arians' uh, regime to the Steve Wilkes' regime. It seems to be that players don't fit what Steve Wilkes has to or wants to roll out as far as how he wants his team to look. Team to look, but when you look within the numbers, like you said, the Cardinals were only able to muster up 223 total yards. 154 passing, only 69 yards on the ground. I mean, my man David Johnson is just not looking like the same player. Uh, they had to, they abandoned the run early, obviously, when the score got away from them early in the game in the first half. But to be to be clear, they were only averaging 3.4 yards per play. They had 28% third down on third down conversions um, with seven penalties. Um, Josh Rosen had a, Rosen had a tough day. He was 21 of 39. 194 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions, and two fumbles. I mean, he himself was a part of five of the turnovers that uh, – all five of the turnovers that we had. So, I mean, he's going to have to work on ball control um, going forward as a rookie. It was, it was one of uh, uh, many tough days I think he'll have this season, but it's all going to be for the better as, uh, for him going forward in the future. He's a good quarterback, good young quarterback for us to build around. But right now the Cardinals are just in a uh, tailspin. Uh, uh, Patrick Peterson, I know everybody's heard a lot about him. He had six tackles. Uh, they heard a lot about him this week. He had six tackles in a game and an interception. Um, his cousin was on Arizona radio this week talking about his trade demands. Um, since that day, um, he has now come out and said that he's here uh, for the remainder of the season and he's got two years on his contract, so he's a Cardinal. Um, I, I expect this to come back up in the offseason again, uh, LJ, even if they uh, want to hold on to Patrick Peterson for the remainder of the season. I expect him to voice his, his displeasure by uh, season's end to let the Cardinals know that they need to go ahead and move him so he, he can go somewhere and get chase his ring, which he deserves to do. Hey, I agree because every year that he's been in the league, he's been a pro bowler and he's a three-time all-pro. So – my thing is, if he doesn't see this team going anywhere, why should he suffer knowing he's the best player that could still capitalize on another team? So I don't blame him. But um, 
it's interesting that you said by Josh Rosen. Did he throw two pick sixes in the first quarter? That's never happened in NFL history. Yes, that happened as well. It was a rough day for him, but I, I would have to say you mentioned Von Miller and Bradley Chubbs. I mean, they were in the backfield all that, all, all day that the game. They had, I think Denver's defense had a, a total of six sacks, um, six tackles for a loss, five takeaways. I mean, they were just disrupting a lot of what the Cardinals wanted to do. Um, and I feel like Josh Rosen was left kind of out to dry. You can go through the numbers even deeper if you want to look and see. I mean, uh, Larry Fitzgerald was able to come up with a touchdown, but he only had four receptions on the day. I don't see a lot of I don't see a lot of else going on on offense to where Josh Rosen was going to be able to just save the day. He didn't. He doesn't have any help right now. And uh, going back to my points earlier, I feel like the system that Steve Wilkes is trying to implement, Mike McCoy's offense in particular. Like I said, he was fired, but. Uh, Mike McCoy's offense in particular is not fitting the players that we have on offense. Um, the defense is going through some changes. Players that were once valuable are not valuable to the Cardinals anymore because of the, the scheme that Wilkes is trying to implement. So that's a, a lot of that has to do with the problems. Um, but no excuses, man. The Cardinals have to play better. These are all professionals. So hey. they need to do some soul searching, brother. I agree, bro. You can't tell it no more than me because that's your team. But, hey, we'll see if things turn around or basically just keeps going downhill from here. But Or we, we get a lot of draft picks next this, this, this offseason. Yeah, that's what it's going to take. But uh, we're going to move on. We got Tennessee Titans and the Los Angeles Chargers. We're in London on Sunday. And Chargers barely squeaked this game out, 20-19. to 19. Phillip Rivers, 19 of 26, 306 yards, two touchdowns. And, of course, the receiver, Tyler Williams, had four receptions, 118 at a touchdown. And um, I caught the back end of this game, and Tennessee pretty much controlled that fourth quarter because I think Chargers was up on Tennessee. Uh, they came back uh, like a vengeance and possibly could have won this game, but it was some questionable play calling as far as Mike Vrabel um, – went for it on fourth down, and he threw the ball instead of using Mariota's legs to try to get out the pocket mm-hmm. and make a play because, you know, he could scramble and do things on the run. So it was an interesting play call. But uh, give me your thoughts about this game. Chargers beating the uh, Titans 20-19. to A surprising gem of the week. I think the Titans did come out to play. You uh, mentioned some of the Chargers stats there. I'm going to run through the Titans stats. They did put up decent numbers and um, did have a chance to win this game at the end. Uh, 390 total yards. 226 passing, 164 on the ground. That's good run-pass ratio for a quarterback like Marcus Mariota. Um, 5.8 yards per play, 60% on third down, LJ. That's getting it done. Um, they, had, they were able to hold the ball 35 minutes and 23 seconds, and they only have four penalties. Marcus Mariota had a really good day, in my opinion. Um, 24, 24 pass attempts, to, uh, or excuse me, 24 or 32 for 237 yards. And one touchdown as opposed to one interception. So he was able to be protected by that ground game that we talked about. Um, Deion Lewis had 13 attempts uh, for 91 yards. And Mariota was able to chip in with another seven attempts for 38 yards. So they were well over 100 yards with two people that on, the, on the day. Um, uh, that I feel like travel got the best of both of these teams uh, having to play in London. Um, and we were still treated to a gem of a game. And like you said, some questionable play calling at the end probably robbed the Titans of a win here. But um, either way, the Chargers are 5-2 and two and rolling right now. Hey, they are. And 
they're at least a top five team in this league. So I can agree with that. I agree, man. I agree. They are a top five team. They got a good they got a good balance on both sides of the ball. Um, I do have an interesting stat for you as for, uh, involving the Chargers. This was the Chargers' first win without Melvin Gordon since he was drafted in 2015. They're in, they are one in five without him and uh, 22 and 27 with him. Wow. So he's a big part of what they do, I believe. Hey, obviously. And uh, that Tennessee loss helps us because we're in their division. So I'm not mad at that. But we're going to move on. New England Patriots took on the Chicago Bears, and the Patriots barely squeaked this one out as well, 38-31. to 31. Tom Brady, 25-36, 277 yards and three touchdowns. Mm. Now, I saw this game, and the Patriots pretty much won this game on special teams because they had a blocked punt, and they had a kickoff return. Mm-hmm. As far as their offensive side of the ball – Chicago was pretty much controlling them, you know. I mean, you know, they got some plays on them to score, but they just didn't dominate that defense. And they, even though Khalil Mack was hurt, he didn't play this game. So I think that was a contributing factor as well. Sure. But that Hail Mary at the end, Chicago caught that ball. And if he would have gotten that end zone, this game mm-hmm. possibly would have went in overtime. So it was that close of a win for the Patriots. So give me your thoughts about – oh, and of course I wanted to mention that this is the fourth straight game that the Patriots have scored 38 points. So I'll throw that out there. So give me your thoughts about New England being the Bears, 38-31. I mean, the Bears continue to show us that they're going to be a good uh, good team going forward in the future here. And they have some players that are getting it done. You mentioned that they didn't have uh, Khalil in this game, and that, that's a big contributing factor. The defense was still able to come up with three takeaways two fumbles and an interception. They had one sack and three tackles for loss. So the yeah. Bears defense does, they were getting after Brady, and I think they were making it tough for the Patriots, uh-huh. Patriots all day. Um, I think the, the 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 deciding factor in this game or the edge that the Patriots needed did come on special teams, the two special teams plays that you um, mentioned, in particular the 95-yard touchdown since we're talking about a seven-point win here. That's really the, the, the deciding factor in this game, in my opinion. Um, the, you talked about how this game ended. What an, exi- what an exciting ending. I remember watching this game at the end there thinking, wow, if he had just lunged forward another yard, they, we're talking about the Bears squeaking out a big, big uh, uh, win here for themselves against the Patriots. So um, this was a good game. The Bears are five, I mean, excuse me, the Patriots are five and two, the Bears in three and three. And I'm going to be watching both of these teams down the stretch here to see where they end up at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, the Bears need to fix that run game because Trubisky can't throw the ball 50 times expect to win. I mean, I don't think you can put that pressure on him. So. No, I don't think so either, and I didn't mention that too much because I, I did I did think this was a good game, and the Bears had – I think the Bears were just doing what they had to do to beat a, a team that they viewed as a superior opponent, and they might have put too much uh, pressure with, on Trubisky. Um, he did throw two interceptions, so, I mean, um, he did make a couple mistakes, and I think he, you live and you learn with that because they were playing the Patriots. Um, but the kid had a good day, all in all, 333 yards, two touchdowns. Um, he had 81 yards on the ground with six attempts and a touchdown. So, I mean, he, he really competed and just showed his all. I, I'm not going to hold that against the Bears staff for trying to win a game when, which they probably were overmatched and shouldn't win. Yeah, I agree. And um, I want to make a correction. Khalil Mack did play. He had one tackle. But I don't think he played the whole game because I didn't see him out there. He probably played early and they pulled him. So, because of his injury or yeah. how he was feeling. 
I hear you. Yeah, I'll make a correction on that. So, all in all, that was a good win for the Patriots, and they're definitely going to be sitting pretty next week because they take on Buffalo, but we'll talk about that when we do our pick. So. Let me throw out a quick uh, stat about okay. involving the Patriots here. That was the Patriots' first road win of the season. Um, rookie head coaches are 15-46 and 46 versus Bill, Bill Belichick since 2000. Only one of the last nine rookie head coaches to face Belichick has won. That was Matt Patricia in week three of 2018. Yeah, we talked about that earlier. Now, I really feel that Bill Belichick let Patricia have that win. <laughs> we don't have to get into that. I hear you, brother. Yeah, we're going to move on. Oh, my God, this team is so sad, bro. Buffalo Bills, man, taking on the Indianapolis Colts. Buffalo only had five points, my friend, and their offense is just ferocious right now because they had five turnovers, mind you. <laughs> and as far as Andrew Luck, you know, quarterback that we've talked about throwing the ball 40, possibly 50 times a game because he doesn't have a run game, well – this game was a little bit different because they ran the ball 37 times for 220 yards. So, obviously, the game plan for the Colts was to run the ball. And Andrew Luck ended up with 17 attempts with 20, 17 to 23, 156 yards, but he had four touchdowns. And that just speaks upon the fact that when you can adjust to a team that you know that you can pretty much dominate and control the whole game, you know, you, you tend to do things you normally don't do. Mm-hmm. So that was a good win for the Colts. Uh, I want to add that the running back, Mac, you know, he had 126 yards and a touchdown. So the the offense was balanced for once I've seen. They didn't give up a turnover, you know, 7 to 13 from third down. You know, and the Colts are, I think they're number one in third down conversions, if I'm not mistaken. So that's a tendency of theirs to, you know, Andrew Luck stays on the field. He converts, gets third downs, drives the ball. So mm-hmm. give me your thoughts about, you know, the Colts demolishing the Buffalo Bills. 37. I mean, it's just, it's as simple as one, two, three. I mean, you talked about the 200 total 20, uh, 220 total yards on the ground that the Colts were able to put up. The Bills weren't able to stop the run all day long, and that speaks to the uh, 33 minutes and 19 seconds that the Colts held the ball compared to the Bills' 26 minutes and 41 seconds that they held um, the ball into the ball. Uh, they had seven penalties, the Bills did. They were only 22% on third down. I mean, they really weren't able to uh, keep the ball away from the uh, Colts at all. And the Colts were able to just run the ball and tire off that Bills defense and run up the score on them all day. I really feel that was the difference. Um, The Colts put up uh, the most rushing yards since 19 or excuse since 2007. I mean that's that's a big stat because we you you said it earlier they have been very unbalanced all season with their run pass ratio. All of a sudden they're able to put up 220 yards. That speaks more to the Bills' defense and un, and un, inability to stop the run. So um, that's basically this game boiled into a nutshell there, in my opinion. But yeah, pretty much. And um, it's funny how. The Colts only let Buffalo score five points on them, but they scored 13 points on us last week. But that's neither here nor there. We won the game. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to mention that. Um, but we're going to move on. Speaking of my team, Houston, Texas, my friend, went into Jacksonville and defeated the Jaguars to give them three losses in a row, 20-7. to seven. 
And the defense was spectacular this game, bro. I mean, the fact that they made Blake Bortles, the mistakes that they made him fumbling the ball, interceptions, I mean, my defense was out there, man. I mean, Javion Clowney had two sacks. Tyron Matthew had a sack. Whitney Merciless had a sack. You know, forced fumble. Mercer had two. You know, Tyron Matthew had an interception. I mean, they were everywhere. And Blake Bortles is just not the same quarterback, not even in New England, because it seemed like he had turned the corner when they destroyed New England week two. But to see him now, it's just a totally different thing. So uh, I was very impressed with my Texas win because I can admit that I didn't pick them. I thought Jacksonville was going to win because I didn't feel that our offense was good enough to sustain drives and score touchdowns. But I was proven wrong. But the defense was a main factor in it because they put us in field position enough to score. We wasn't like going down the field on Jacksonville, 80-yard drives. You know, the defense was making plays, causing turnovers. And, you know, I was very impressed, and I really enjoyed this win. So give me your thoughts about the Texans defeating Jacksonville 20-7. Yeah, LJ, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said your defense came out and caused some turnovers, put your offense in good field position to where they were able to score quickly and get some points on the board and really put this game away because we know the Jaguars are without their running back right now. They were only able to get 70 yards on the ground today uh, and put the game in Blake Bortles' hand, and that's a recipe for a disaster for the Jaguars, and they know that. They know that. Um, Ball security was an issue for him today. He was pulled early in the second half. Um, for Cody Kessler, who came in was 21 for 21 for 30, well, 156 yards, a touchdown, an interception. I mean, it's just not the um, same Jaguars team without that run-pass balance that we that that Blake Portals needs, and that defense is looking not the same anymore. It's not looking like it's a Super Bowl-winning defense that can go out there and shut shut teams down. And it basically was a role reversal. The Houston Texans. Out Jacksonville Jaguar, the Jaguars. They played better yeah. defense, put up the timely points, and won a good game um, on the road. So good hands off to hats off to the Texans, man. Four straight games. Four straight wins. Yes, definitely. And Jacksonville, we mentioned they're a different teams. So I'm gonna give you an interesting stat. Last year, matter of fact, the t- Jaguars was plus ten in turnover differential. And this year they're minus twelve. Wow. So that's completely different from where they were last year. And Blake Bortles, 26th game with multiple turnovers since 2014, which is most in the NFL. Mm. I mean, it's just totally, you know, they, they, they have some issues out in Jacksonville. So they do. we're going to see where it goes because they're in our division. That was a great win because we took over the division. We're now lead the AFC South, considering we started 0-3. Mm-hmm. So I'm very impressed. And I, I really like the fact that Bill O'Brien play calling was very different. You know, instead of running the ball on first down, being predictable, you know, he passed the ball, play action, zone reads, like, you know, he mixed it up. And I was very impressed. So we that's what we needed to see because we know the potential of our team. Man. And we're not going to just – except the fact that you're going to be the way it is. And the fact that Deshaun Watson is playing with a collapsed lung, it's just so incredible to me, man. And the man, he wants to win, and he proves it. So hats off to the Texans, like you said. Great win. I can admit I didn't pick them. Neither did I, but that's okay. It's all right to be wrong every once in a while, LJ. Yeah, 
You're right. Speaking of I De- agree. speaking of Deshaun Watson, he is he is, he's tied for second most touchdowns with 32 in in the first 14 games since 1970. Only Kurt Warner has 30 or has more with 35. I mean, you are right. He's getting it done. He's carrying his team like he's supposed to. A real leader should. Um, let's see what happens the rest of the way, man. Yeah, I agree. So let's move on. Detroit Lions went to Miami and defeated the Dolphins 32 to 21. Matthew Stafford, 18 to 22, 217 yards with two touchdowns. Detroit did not commit a turnover. And they basically ran and pounded the Miami's defense because they had 35 rushes for 248 yards. So the game plan for them was to ground and pound, keep their defense on the field, tire them out, and just basically control the time of possession. So that's basically how I felt about Detroit winning this game. And I saw that Matt Prater kicked a 50-yard field goal at the end just for the hell of it because he could do it. (laughs) So it was just like, you know, you know Miami had, did not have a chance. Yeah. You know, I had totally that in my stats too, LJ. Oh, okay. <laughs> my fault. You know, give me your thoughts, though, about Detroit, you know, handling up on Miami. Yeah. I, I'm not going to over talk it. You hit the nail on the head again, man. Um, you're good at what you do. This is this the game came down to somebody just controlling the clock with their run game over a team that couldn't stop the ball or stop the ball on the opposite opposite end um, and put the game in Brock Osweiler's hands, who, in my opinion, didn't do a bad job. Um, 22 of 31, 239 yards, two touchdowns. But when you look at what the uh, Dolphins were able to do on the ground, opposed to what the Lions with Kerryon Johnson, 19 attempts, 158 yards, 8.3 um, uh, an average. That's that's really getting it done on the ground and holding it, holding the team down and carrying the teams. Matt Stafford didn't have to throw the ball too much. I think he only had 22 attempts. Um, yeah, the Lions, I think, are finally starting to figure out a formula to to actually put an offense out there that can be balanced and, and win on the road and win against teams that um, have good defenses in the later months of the year. So, Let's see if they can hold it on, hold on to this type of uh, formula that they've been able to figure out this early in the season. Yeah, we'll see what happens because, you know, their, their division is very competitive considering uh, Green Bay is still there, Minnesota is still viable, and Chicago is, you know, is in the mix. So mm-hmm. that's going to be an interesting division to see how it ha- goes through the rest of the season. So sure. we're going to move on. Minnesota Vikings went to New York to take on the Jets, and they – Won the game 37 to 17. Kirk Cousins, my friend, he's out there really throwing the ball, man. 24 40, 241 yards, two touchdowns. And of course, the wide receiver, Adam Feely, man, he's out there, nine receptions, 110 yards, and a touchdown, which makes him seven straight games with at least 100 yards receiving. So Minnesota didn't turn the ball over. So that was good for us, the success of their win, but they were two for 15 on third down, which was interesting to me. So I didn't watch this game because the Jets was also two of 13 on third down. So mm-hmm. it must have been some plays that happened for them to, you know, create the points that they did. So give me your thoughts about Minnesota beating the Jets 37 to 17. Yeah, uh, I mean, it. Again, we're talking about a team with a rookie quarterback, um, a young young team, a, a, in my opinion, a really good head coach that's trying to figure out a formula for them to be balanced and able to compete with some of the better teams in the league, and that's what the Vikings are. Um, they were The Jets were only able to put up 263 total yards this game. 
192 passing, only 71 on the, uh, on the ground. We know what that means. That's not good run-pass ratio for a rookie quarterback. 3.8 yards per play. Um, you talked about their third down um, they, uh, problems. They were only 15% on third down. Um, the Vikings had the ball 32 minutes and 11 seconds compared to 27 minutes and 49 seconds for the Jets. The Jets did have eight penalties, and to me that's creeping up in danger territory for a team. Um, Sam Darnold uh, in particular, 17 for 42. That 42 attempts, man, that's a lot of attempts for your rookie quarterback. He did have 260 yards, one touchdown, but three interceptions, man. That's just that's just putting a lot of pressure on your rookie quarterback um, who doesn't really have a lot of playmakers, in my opinion. Uh, four players rushed 24 times for 71 yards and one touchdown. Um, it's just the, the Jets do have a long way to go to really compete with a team like the Vikings. Um, you mentioned Kirk Cousins. Um, Kirk Cousins has the second most passing yards in the first seven games of a season in Vikings franchise history. That's 2,162 yards. I mean, he's doing, he's really carrying the team right now. He's validating the Vikings, making that move from Case Keenum to him and making them hit him, their franchise quarterback and really making the run at the Super Bowl with him at the helm um, instead of uh, Case Keenum or whomever they could have filled that void with. Um, once they get their run game back in order, I think in Minnesota, um, we really will see what type of team this is going to be. Uh, and, the, and the Vikings are 4-2-1 right now. You're right. And I predicted that the Vikings was going to miss the playoffs at the beginning of the season. And they're proving me wrong. Because, like you said, Kirk Cousins looks like he's in, comfortable in that system, and they're putting up wins. So, like I said, like we just mentioned about the division with Detroit, Chicago, and Green Bay, you know, that's going to be a competitive division going down the stretch. So, something to keep our eyes on. But yes, uh, let's move on. This was a good game right here. Carolina Panthers went to Philly to take on the Eagles and – Carolina ended up winning this game 21 to 17. Philadelphia was up 17 to 0 going into the fourth quarter. Mm. And they just want to let Carolina score 21 points in the fourth quarter to win the game. So I don't understand what was going on on the coaching staff of Philadelphia in the fourth quarter because instead of running the ball, you want to pass the ball. And they only had 24 attempts for 58 yards in the game. So, I mean, that may be factoring the fact that Ajay's hurt and they have a couple of running backs mm -hmm. on injury reserve. But you are coaching staff and you have a team. I mean, I'm pretty sure you need to have someone available to run the ball knowing that your quarterback can't throw the ball 40 times a game. But that's neither here nor there. I'm not the coach. But uh, they were also three for 12 on third down. So, Shouts out to Cam, you know, 25 of 39, 269 yards and two touchdowns. And he really showed a valiant effort in that fourth quarter because I caught the last end of this game as well. And it was very impressive. So give me your thoughts about Carolina coming back from a 17-point deficit to beat Philly 21-17. to uh, LB, I'm surprised. I'm surprised that the Panthers were able to do that to the Super Bowl champion Eagles. Um I'm surprised that the Eagles look like this right now. It's still early in the season. Um, I believe the Eagles can turn it around, but you wanted to, want me to put put my uh, two cents into what's going on. I believe they can run the ball like they could last year. They were deep. They were able to run the ball. They've lost some of the depth at their running back position, and they're hurt right now, and they weren't able to balance out that run-pass ratio. 
They had 284 yards passing and 58 uh, on the ground for 342 total yards of offense, which should get it done. But you're talking about a team that couldn't uh, control the ball and do what they needed to do once they had the lead. And that speaks directly to um, the strength or our non-strength of what, what the Super Bowl champions were able to do last year and not be able to do this year. Um, like you said, hats off to Cam. He looked impressive down the stretch. Um, he was able to throw the ball and lead his team to the victory. The Panthers, I believe, are a good team. But to be able to come into the Eagles stadium and win that game like they were able to do, um, the Eagles really need to be looking themselves in the mirror right now and, and questioning, do they want to be in the playoffs this year? Do they want to compete? Because the Redskins look good. Um, the Dallas Cowboys just made a move and they want to make, they, they're trying to make some noise. So that East division is not just theirs for the taking. They need to, they need to go out and grab it like they did last year. And right now they're not getting it done. So, um, yeah. that's my thoughts. Yeah. They're going to have to fix the run game pretty much. They're going to have to find someone to balance that offense to help out Wentz because I don't think he can do it on his own, especially coming after off ACL. I mean, yeah. he's probably not a hundred percent. So yeah. it's too much. To depend on for him so we'll see what happens let's move on this was an exciting game because i actually saw the end of this game as well cleveland browns went down to tampa bay to take on the buccaneers and tampa bay squeaked out this win barely in overtime mm-hmm. 20 23 uh tampa bay's defense was the top performer of this game five sacks two forced fumbles but they took a hit. They're at, uh, Alexander of their defensive line towards ACL. So he's going to be out for the rest of the season. So it's going to be interesting to see how that defense comes back from that injury. But as far as uh, Cleveland, man, they really were they, – they had a valiant effort. But the penalties, they have to cut down. They have 14 yeah. penalties, 110 yards. And they, they, they're leading the league in turnovers. I mean, they had turnovers. They had a chance to win this game, and it was a couple field goals missed, but the one that made it was Tampa Bay. He kicked a 59-yarder after missing, I think, like a 30 or something before that. So it was a very, very exciting game. I, Like I said, I watched the end of it, and it was just Cleveland, four uh, overtime games already in the season. You know, give me your thoughts, man, about Tampa Bay squeaking out this victory 26 to 23. Yeah, I think it came down to uh, Cleveland's inefficiency, uh, inefficiency on third down um, and not being able to hold on to the ball. And basically their 14 penalties started to be uh, – that, that's just a huge number right there when you're on the road in a tough stadium uh, like the Buccaneers. Um, Chandler Catanzaro, he missed a, a, a makeable kick earlier in the game that would have put this game away and possibly sealed it early without having to go to over, overtime. Um, and then come back and kick a 59-yard at the, um, as the game winner. Um, huge, huge game, a uh, huge field goal for him to come back and redeem himself and and really uh, uplift the team. Uh, big win for the Buccaneers. Um, Cleveland has gone to overtime in four of its last four of its four of its seven games this season. No other team has has played in as many four overtime games as the first seven games of the regular season um, since 1974 when the OT was introduced. So I mean. Cleveland's starting to wear down. I think the overtime games are – I mean, it shows the fight in them, but the, they need to figure out a way to win these games in regular uh, and regular um, uh, regulation because their team is getting tired, and they, they're not able to pull out these victories like they should. So um, good win for the Buccaneers. Um, back to the drawing board for the Browns. Yeah, but 
you know, Baker didn't play bad. You know, he had two touchdowns. You know, he didn't turn the ball over. So it's just mistakes that Cleveland's making, you know, towards the end of the games that's, you know, costing them victories. So sure, I sure. Feel that they're way better than what they were last year. And it's just, you know, if they can muster up a couple of wins, you never know. They might be in contention, you know, the ball falls here or there for them towards the end of the season. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, them down the stretch. But, hey, hey, Lawrence, one of our good friends says, if, 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 if was a fist, bro, I mean, come on, we know better than that. I'm just saying, I know there's a lot of teams in this league. If they, someone would have caught a pass or someone would have made a tackle, and I get it. They're close. They're getting closer to winning, but they still are 2-4-1, and one, so – Back to the drawing yeah, board. But like I'm just making the point. They're they're a whole lot better than they were last year. So. They are. But we're finna move on. Cause this game was very, very interesting as well, man. New Orleans Saints took on the Baltimore Ravens. And the Saints squeaked this game out barely. 24 to 23. Drew Brees still doing what he do, 22 of 30, 212 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, which leads the league. He has the highest completion percentage of the league. <laughs> New Orleans is the number one scoring team in the league. And it's just the offense is just clicking right now. And six for 14 on third down. So staying on the field, they also went for it on fourth down five times and made four, mm-hmm. four or five from fourth down. So the 70 plays, I mean, the <laughs> Drew Brees is just really, really balanced on this offense. I mean, he threw the ball 30 times. They ran the ball 39 times. So they, they really had a nice game plan for Baltimore, considering Baltimore was the number one defense in the league. They mm-hmm. didn't allow a touchdown in the second half all season, and New Orleans scored two of them. So, but it really came down to – Justin Tucker missing that extra point for Baltimore. And, you know, even if he made it, it would have went in overtime. Who's to say New Orleans would have won it in overtime? So, so I'm going to give my hats off to New Orleans for going into Baltimore and getting a tough win because they scored 17 points in the fourth quarter. So yeah. it, it was a valiant effort for them to get this win. So give me your thoughts about New Orleans squarely, barely squeaking this game out 24 to 23. Well, the New Orleans uh, Saints – like you said, are humming on offense. And that's no – that's not a surprise to me. It shouldn't be a surprise to anyone with a quarterback like Drew Brees who just continues to get better like fine wine. Um, the man knows how to play football. He knows how to run an offense. Um, but like you said, this was a very close game. And Justin Tucker did miss an extra point, which proved to be the difference when you look at the score. But let's look inside the numbers a little bit. Um, 351 total yards for the Ravens, 274 in the air, 77 on the ground. Red flag, in my opinion. You need to have more run-pass balance for a team um, with Joe Flacco at the helm. Um, five penalties. They were only able to hold on to the ball 26 minutes and 29 seconds. Um, Joe Flacco was 23 of 39, 279 yards, two touchdowns. But they had eight players with, 20, with 23 attempts for 77 yards and one touchdown. That was Lamar Jackson, their backup QB. So, I mean, it looks to me that they're really having a hard time rushing the football for the Ravens. Um, They need to find some balance on that offense. They do have the number one defense in the league, but they need to find some balance so that they can keep that defense fresh. And uh, that's the problem right now for them, in my opinion. It seems to be something that can cost them close games right now. Yeah, 
I agree. And both of these teams have two important games coming up this Sunday. New Orleans goes to Minnesota. Baltimore goes to Carolina. So it's going to be interesting how this turns out. For Those us are going to be good games. Yeah, because it could possibly be a turning point for one of these teams in the season. So definitely going to be looking out for that. Next game. Washington Redskins, my friend, took on the Dallas Cowboys, and Washington won this game, 20-17. to 17. Um, It was a controversial call with the uh, center hiking the ball. They say he moved it, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. I don't care because I don't like the Cowboys. So, <laughs> And, you know, they're really controlling the ball on offensive side because they're average, when they average over 150 yards rushing in a game, they win, and they only get 52 in losses. So that's basically, you know, the system of them. Run the ball, pound the ball, keep the defense on the field, you know, control time of possession. So simple game plan for, you know, the Redskins. They didn't have any turnovers, but they were 3 of 12 on third down. So it was a good win. And let me give you your thoughts about Washington barely squeaking this game out against Dallas 20 to 17. Well, I think the Redskins are the better team. Um, you look at that, and they were at home, and I believe they play better at home. I think I've said that on our shows before. Um, yeah. They ate, They had Adrian Peterson uh, rush 24 times and get 99 yards on the ground. Adrian Peterson is just uh, looking re- rejuvenated this year for them, and um, he's really helping out that team on the ground. You threw out that stat about 150 yards on the ground. That's that. That, that's prophetic for a team that basically for the last two to three years have had quarterbacks that need that type of uh, um, ground support. So you look at the Cowboys, they're similar in that Dak Prescott, Prescott needs a ground game to, to balance his uh, attack out. And Ezekiel Elliott is not able, is not getting it done right now. He had 15 attempts for 33 yards, 2.2 average. Uh, Cowboys only had 73 total yards on the ground. Um, 250 in the air for 300 in total, 323 total yards. They had held onto the ball 29 minutes uh, and five seconds. They had eight penalties. I mean, it's just not a good formula to go into Washington and beat a rival like the Redskins. And uh, they have, we know the Redskins defense is a good defense. Um, and uh, they, 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 they just can't come in there with that type of a game plan and expect to win, in my opinion. The Cowboys, yeah. Cowboys made a move this week to help balance themselves out. We'll see how, if that helps them out a little bit. But it really speaks to me um, when you look at the ground game. It really speaks to the core of the problem there. They have a big old line. Let's get behind that old line and let's start plowing some people over, really, with Ezekiel Elliott, whom is one of the top uh, running backs in the league as well. So figure this stuff out, Dallas. Yeah. Well, like I said, that's a – Good division as well, but I don't see Dallas. I mean, unless Amari Cooper is going to be a factor in towards the end of the season, I don't see them doing anything different to where because they are who, like you say, like Denny Green say, they are who we know they are. They, Dak Prescott is not the answer. You know, he's not going to be a quarterback that's going to throw the ball three hundred yards <laughs> for two or three touchdowns. I mean, he's not carrying anybody. He can't do that. And I think feel like that move for Amari Cooper is basically to see if this is our quarterback of the future or not. We got you a exactly. weapon to throw to on the outside. Now we have your running back. Let's see what you can do. And I feel like this is put up or shut up time for Dak. Yeah, I completely agree with you. So let's move on, man. 
Los Angeles Rams, man. Went to the 49ers. <laughs> destroyed them. 39 to 10. Uh, I mean, do we have enough time on the podcast to give out all these stats for the Rams? I mean, it's, it's just impressive how they just continue to dominate these teams. Um, Todd Gurley, I'm going to speak of him first because he leading the league in rushing. He had 15 attempts, 63 yards, but he had two touchdowns and he had a receiving touchdown. Jared Goff had two touchdowns as well, 200 yards. Um, the defense, you know, seven sacks, two interceptions and two forced fumbles. Aaron Donald, nine tackles by himself <laughs> with four sacks and a forced fumble. Um, I mean, it's just re- remarkable how this offense is clicking. And like, you, like we always say, they're pretty much top five in all three phases of the g- game because they're the only team that's top four in um, total points scored and points allowed. And for as high as average margin of victory in the NFL, they're 15. That's number one in the league. So, I mean, Todd Gurley, 10 straight games with a touchdown. I mean, it's just it's just on and on. And uh, Sean McVay really, really has this team clicking. Um, I'm going to predict that he will possibly win a Super Bowl in his career. But yes. I don't see the Rams losing anytime soon. And – just it's just remarkable this team right now. So give me your thoughts about the Los Angeles Rams staying undefeated, beating the 49ers 39-10. Well, LJ, they're the better team. So I, you know, we both predicted them to win this game. The 49ers are reeling um after losing Garoppolo early in the season. Um and they have their backup who and CJ Bethart, who actually isn't a bad backup and has played valiantly in his uh in his uh instead. But I'm looking at uh, some of the stats here, and you, you you rambled off all the stats for the Rams, and that basically tells the story of what the 49ers' day was. Like, uh, they weren't able to get a lot done. They only averaged 3.9 yards per play. They were 27% on third down, and they only had the ball 27 minutes and 9 seconds. Um, C.J. Bethard had 15 – he was 15 of 27 for 170 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. So, I mean, you know, he had a rough day back there, five players – 24 attempts, 170 yards. So they did get 100 yards on the ground, but they had to use five five players to do it. Um, the Rams' defense made it hard for the uh, 49ers to accomplish anything all day. And on the other side of the ball, we know what it's like to try to stop Todd Gurley. I heard you spout out those numbers earlier. So, I mean, the Rams are a tough team. Um, I don't see a, a, a lot of losses in the near future for them. I, I know they play at home this weekend against the Green Bay Packers. Should be interesting to watch. Um I have a stat here. The Rams have scored 30-plus points for the 15th time in 23 regular season games under Sean McVay. The man, that, that man, Sean McVay, is getting it done. Um, I wish we had one of him out in the desert. Rams <laughs> <laughs> are very impressive right now. So it's going to be very, very interesting to see who's going to defeat this team, who's going to come up with the game plan to give them their first loss. So. We'll wait and see for that. But let's move on, man. Kansas City was at home, and they took on Cincinnati. And Kansas City pretty much destroyed Cincinnati as well, 45 to 10. I mean, 9 of 12 on third down. They ran the ball as well. They had 29 attempts for 198 yards. And Mm. Patrick Mahomes is just, you know, continuing to be impressive. I mean, Six straight games with 300 passing yards. I mean, 
he's out there really, really showing that he he belongs in this league. And it's just when I see him, you know, he's 28 to 39, 358 yards, four touchdowns. I mean, and in the weapons that he has is just more impressive as well because they got two players that can run a 4-2. So if he's able to stand in that pocket and be poised and see the field, you know, Kansas City, you know, I don't they scored 45 points. I mean, they can put up 40 piece any Sunday. And if he just can make stops at least a couple of times, uh, they they're gonna be in the hunt as well. So it's, it's it's safe to say that the Kansas City Chiefs and the Los Angeles Rams are the top two teams in this league. So I agree your with thoughts that. about Kansas City defeating Cincinnati forty five to two. Well, LJ, another team I feel like that was uh, the better of the two on uh, when they met that day. The Bengals, who I think are a good team this year and haven't played bad, but were overmatched against the Chiefs this, this day on the road in Kansas City, um, a tough environment. The Chiefs' offense is continuing to click. You mentioned Patrick Mahomes. He had a great day, four touchdowns, one interception, uh, four attempts on the ground for 45 yards, 11.3 in average. So, I mean, the man is dangerous when he gets the ball in his hand. Um, new nickname, they're calling him is Chef Curry of the NFL. I had to throw that out there and put that on the air. Um, but, yeah, he's got some uh, uh, help around him as well with Kareem Hunt. 15 attempts, 86 yards, one touchdown, 5.7 average. Um, five receptions, 55 yards, two touchdowns. The, uh, Kareem Hunt is a valuable weapon for Patrick Mahomes to have. But the Bengals, you look at their 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 problems on their end, it really um, starts and ends with Andy Dalton, in my opinion, who in, uh, on the day, I believe, got benched for Jeff Driscoll. Um, so it tells, you, it tells you that there were struggles there, but they only were able to muster 65 yards on the ground. So that surely didn't help out Andy Dalton and his problems for, that he had on the day. Um, the, the Chiefs are just humming, man. They're not going to fall to too many teams. Unless teams can make them um, have to play defense and have to come up with a stop to win a game, I don't know that they're going to lose too many games um, um, this year like that. Yeah, they are. And it's gonna, like I said, it's going to be interesting to see Who's going to get home field advantage? Because I can now, you know, we're coming up on the eighth week, you know, this Sunday. And you know, we do our mid-season evaluations of teams. And I don't see anything that we're going to disagree on the fact that the Chiefs will be one of the top two teams possibly fighting for home field advantage in the AFC. So, yeah. LJ, when do, when do the Patriots go to Kansas City? That's what I want to ask. That's the, that's the question I want to ask. <laughs> When do the Patriots play Kansas City in Kansas City this year? Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll see. That's I mean, a big game right there coming up. Yeah. Definitely. So, let's move on. Um, Monday night, man. I mean, I didn't even watch this game because I really wasn't interested. So, New York Giants went to Atlanta. And Atlanta ended up winning 23-20. to um, Atlanta was 7-13 on third downs. And they are – second in the league at that. So I do know that they sustained drives, and Matt Ryan was 31-39, 379 yards and a touchdown. And, of course, Julio Jones is, you know, who he is, nine receptions, 104. But Hmm. the interesting thing about Julio, he doesn't have a touchdown, and I just don't understand how they can't find him in the red zone to get him a score because he's definitely one of the elite receivers in this league. So – all in all, um, the Giants are who they are. We already know. Um, we don't have to talk about them. So give me your thoughts about Atlanta beating the Giants 23-20. to 20. 
Yeah, the Giants are struggling. Uh, pathetic team to watch this year. They're one and six at this point. Um, they were able to put up 433 total yards, 372 through the air, but only 61 on the ground, and that's an issue. Um, they were getting seven yards per play, um, they, and they were able to get uh, 41% of their third downs, but they were only able to hold on to the ball 27 minutes and 43 seconds. They have four penalties. Eli Manning, uh, 27 of 38, so it wasn't overused in my opinion. 399 yards and one touchdown, and I believe that's how you need to use an older aging uh, Eli. But Saquon Barkley was only able to get those, uh, able to get muster at 43 yards on the ground. He did have a touchdown. Um, he had nine receptions for 51 yards and uh, 10 targets. So the man is working hard, but I believe the problems really rely with uh, reside with the O line and some of the chemistry problems and maybe even play calling early on with some, with the uh, new head coach and all of that um, with the new staff. You heard me talk about that earlier with the uh, Cardinals and um, a lot of teams with this first year head coach and staff are having issues. And I believe the giants fall into that category as far as our category, as far as um, um, players schemes and issues going on like that uh, with things like that. So um, yeah, the Falcons were able to pull out a good win, a win I believe they should have, um, at home against the Giants, so good for them. Yeah, good for them. Um, you know, the Giants are interesting, man, because I like Landon Collins on the defense, and he led the team again with eight tackles, and he's led their team in tackles every year, and he's a safety. Like, that's just very, very odd. I mean, give props to him for <laughs> being the lead tackler, so that lets you know he's out there, and you mentioned Saquon Barkley as well, uh, he has 100-plus scrimmage yards, six out of the seven games this year. And he barely missed it with Atlanta. He had 94. So he was only six yards off of continuing that streak. So he is a, you know, positive factor on that team. If they can utilize him more, you know, it'll be interesting to see the difference with this team. But you mentioned Eli, and I agree with you. He's on the downfall of his career. And, you know, I don't even think you could probably get anything for him. So, you're just going to have to, you know, wing it out for the Giants. I mean, I don't see any hope for them. You know, I have no interest to see success of them. So we'll just see how they end up. I mean, obviously they might end up with another top two, top one pick. So we'll see. Well, they'll be fighting the Cardinals for it, but. <laughs> <laughs> but that ends it, my friends. Uh, week seven of the recap. We got week eight coming and. We're going to give our picks uh, tomorrow, so y'all tune in. But until then, thank y'all for joining Raw Words Podcast. This is LJ from Houston. Shout out to my boy Ro for coming on with me again. So, we'll right, holler at y'all. Yes, appreciate you. We'll holler at y'all till tomorrow. Peace. Peace out, y'all.